0: So who is praying for you? Who's praying for you uh, regularly, maybe, maybe even right now? Because, you know, hopefully uh, we've all got at least a few others praying for us. Uh, often it's a family and friends, uh, maybe uh, grandparents, parents, uh, siblings, if you're married, uh, your spouse, if your, chil- your children if they're old enough, and, and then hopefully... Uh, especially brothers and sisters in the Lord. And you know, that's good. It's a good thing. In fact, we're we're called to pray for one another, and and James tells us that for those in Christ, our prayers are powerful and effective. Well, one of my favorite images of prayer in the Bible uh, actually comes from a place that doesn't speak specifically about prayer. It's, uh, It's actually one of the Uh, The healing miracles of Jesus. Uh, But I love it as as an image of prayer, a picture of prayer. And it's the the story of the four friends carrying the paralytic on the stretcher and bringing him to Jesus. And I love it because it's such a great image, a picture of what we do when we are praying for others. We are, are picking them up. We are carrying them and we are bringing them before Jesus. And then, of course, as you, if you think about it, those then who are praying for us, we're then on the stretcher, being carried by others, being brought by others through their prayers uh, before Jesus. And again, this is something we're, we're called to do, uh, something that's good, to pray for one another. However, do you, do you ever forget what to pray about? Maybe even uh, more so, do you ever just plain forget to pray for somebody. Maybe you said, hey, I'll I'll pray about that, and and, and you've forgotten. I mean, I I know I do that, and and as as fallible people, uh, we often drop the cot, so to speak. Uh, We we often let go of of the stretcher, and, and not necessarily intentionally. It just happens. But there is one who never lets go never stops carrying us, never ceases to pray for those he loves. And of course, I'm talking about our Lord Jesus, our great high priest. Our great high priest whose name is love, who lives above and always pleads, always intercedes for us. And you know, it is that profound reality. The reality that God is praying, that Jesus is praying for us, is that reality that we discover in our passage this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, uh, verses 11 through 28. And so before we hear this part of God's Word, uh, let's go to Him and offer our prayer. Well, Lord God, we do thank You. Uh, We thank You for Your Word, for speaking Uh, to us through it your word that is living and active and and we would ask now that, that by it and through the power of your spirit that once again you would would work deep in us that you would pierce our hearts with the truth and grace of your gospel for it's in jesus we come and in jesus we pray amen So now I invite you to hear the word of God, and this is Hebrews chapter 7, beginning with verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, not Levi. And in connection with that tribe, Judah, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For, on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But, on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those other high priests, to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself on the cross. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. And this is God's word. Well, it's important to keep in front of us. It's important to remember the whole point of Hebrews. And and the, the whole point of Hebrews is this, that Jesus is the high priest to end all high priests. The one who has made the full and final atoning sacrifice that completely, fully covers all our sins so that we are saved to the uttermost. And remember, too, that the priest was a bridge, a bridge between God and humanity, uh, reconnecting heaven and earth. And this is the very thing that Jesus did uh, through the full and final sacrifice of himself on the cross, making those who trust in him, in the words of another scholar, uh, making us invincibly clean. Well, last week, uh, we looked specifically at verses 1 through 10 uh, of chapter 7, and we ended up covering m- much of the ground that's, that's found here in verses 11 uh, through 28 as well, uh, especially with regard to, to Jesus being compared to Melchizedek, uh, Jesus being shown to be superior uh, to the old priesthood, and, and, and why that really matters. And so if you didn't hear that sermon, I encourage you to go back and listen And so what we're going to do this week is we're going to to focus our attention on the key verses in our passage, Uh, these central verses of of verses 23 through 25, and eventually really hone in on verse 25. And when we get there, our, our main focus is going to be looking at Jesus as our high priest and asking the question, what is Jesus doing now? Right now, what's he doing? But first... We need to recap the big picture, and then we'll take a look specifically at what Jesus is doing now. So first, recapping the big picture, the the big picture from last week and then rolling into this week's passage as well. And and we're reminded of a central theme. One of the central themes that we find in the book of Hebrews is that the old covenant infrastructure, uh, which included the law, uh, the Levitical priesthood, uh, descended from Aaron, were reminded that this Old Covenant infrastructure, it was inadequate and temporary, and it was to be replaced by a better hope, verse 19, and a better covenant, verse 22. Now, of course, this does not mean that the Old Covenant, what was sinful and wrong, because it wasn't. Rather, it was merely provisional, always pointing ahead, always looking to Jesus, the one who would ultimately accomplish redemption for us. And we learn in verses 15 through 17 that Jesus' priesthood, it's not based on bodily descent from the tribe of Levi, as prescribed in the law, but rather it is based on On an indestructible life as seen in the resurrection. In other words, Jesus' priesthood is superior in part because he lives forever. Jesus provides the permanent solution for sin. Permanent reconciliation with God. Because he is the permanent priest whose life is indestructible. Okay, I want you to think for a moment about your house. Your house sits upon a foundation. Now, if the foundation of your house was made of wood, well, there'd be a bit of a problem, because eventually the wood rots, your house would fall. Now, if the foundation of your house, if it's merely concrete, concrete will eventually crack as many of us know, with the wonderful shrink-swell soil we have in this area. And if you do not know what I'm talking about, consider yourself fortunate. But eventually, that concrete will crack, and you'll get it in your drywall and elsewhere. But let's just say for a moment that the foundation of your house was made of titanium. Okay, well then, it would be virtually indestructible. And friends, the foundation of our salvation is indestructible because Jesus is indestructible. And so what that means is that we now have a forever, permanent, indestructible high priest in heaven for us. But what's he doing? What's he doing right now? Well, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to now focus in and take a look at these key verses, the very heart of our passage, uh, verses 23 through 25. And what's Jesus doing? Well, what does the writer of Hebrews say? Uh, picking up again with verse 23. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently, because he continues forever. Consequently, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to intercede for us. What is Jesus doing right now? Well, simply put, he's praying. He's praying. He's continually interceding for you and for me. Or as Charles Wesley put it in his famous hymn, he ever lives above for me to intercede. That's our great high priest. His name is love, always pleading for us. Now, you know, if if you think about it, we uh, we often talk about what Jesus has done. In the past. And rightly so. We should. Uh, looking back and, and talking about his, his perfect life. His substitutionary death. His, his triumphant glorious resurrection. And again we should talk about that. Because our salvation rests on it. It turns on that. And we also talk about what Jesus will do. In the future. Uh, looking ahead. In fact we should always keep. The last day on the page of our calendar today, filling us with hope, keeping us looking ahead and anticipating when Jesus will return and make all things new. However, we rarely talk about what Jesus is doing in the present. So that's what we're going to take a few minutes to talk about at this time so if you think about Jesus, his saving mission, uh, now complete, that is our redemption accomplished on the cross. What is Jesus doing? But he is now supporting and sustaining us through his intercessory ministry of perpetual prayer. Day by day, hour by hour, Jesus upholds us through prayer. Even just at the very beginning of Hebrews in chapter 1, what we are told that he sustains, he upholds all things, including us, through the power of his word, which includes his prayer. Paul says in Romans 8, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who indeed is interceding for us. That's right, the resurrected Christ right now is interceding at the Father's right hand. This very moment, he is thinking of us and bringing our needs before the Father, bringing our needs before the throne of grace. But please, please know this. He is not bringing our needs before a temperamental, begrudging, reluctant father. Not at all. Because remember, the father loves us. In fact, the plan of redemption was as much the father's desire and design as it was the son's. It was a joint effort they did together for those they love. And so the Father willingly and joyfully receives the prayers that His Son offers on our behalf. Because Jesus is praying for those whom He and the Father love. And so you see, it is, it is through His prayers, it is the very prayers of Jesus, that continually uphold and sustain us in the midst of anything and everything we face. Now, I realize it doesn't always feel that way. In fact, there are times when you may feel very alone, forsaken, abandoned. And that may be the case with regard to other people, but it is never the case with Jesus. He will never leave, will never forsake, and is always upholding us. And so even though we may not feel it, it doesn't change the fact that it is true. And not only does he continually uphold and sustain us through his prayers and, and whatever we are facing. But also his prayers. It is through his prayers that, that he will ultimately carry us home. But you know, many of us live so much of the time as if we're those, those glider planes you know, as if we're a glider that, that has been lifted up by Jesus when we first came to faith. And then he just releases us, lets us go, and hopefully we will glide safe and sound and have a safe landing at home. But that's, that's not the way it is. Because it's through his prayers that he upholds us the entire way. Every moment of every day. Because you see what it says verse 25, what it says about the result of his prayers. So take a look, and we're going to start with the last phrase. Since he always lives to make intercession. For who? For those who draw near to God through him. Since Jesus continually intercedes for us, he is able to what? To save us to the uttermost. Because he is praying for us, he is able to save us to the uttermost. Okay, not save us for the most part, but save us to the uttermost. And and, and what does this phrase mean? Well, it means that Jesus is able to save us completely, comprehensively, at all times, for all time, to the very end. In other words, through his prayers, Jesus carries us now, and he will carry us home. Or in the words of fellow PCA pastor Dane Ortland, Christ continues to intercede on our behalf in heaven because we continue to struggle here on earth. He does not forgive us through his work on the cross and then just hope that we make it the rest of the way. Picture a glider pulled up into the sky by an airplane, soon to be released to float down to the earth. We are that glider. Christ is the plane. But he never disengages. He never lets go, wishing us well and hoping that we can glide the rest of the way into heaven. No, he carries us all the way. Because you see, his saving grace goes to the uttermost and his saving grace always outpaces and overwhelms our uttermost sin and why because he always lives to intercede for us well okay to to, to wrap up let's bring this full circle Okay, because chapter 7, if you remember, chapter 7 is actually set up by the very end of chapter 6. Which is where we were exactly one month ago today. And, and, and then we, we were talking, at the end of chapter 6, we were talking about an anchor for the soul. Do you remember that? An anchor for the soul. Okay, so let's go back uh, for just a moment and read again those last couple of verses in chapter 6. Uh, verses 19 and 20. The writer of Hebrews states, We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And if you were here, do you remember how we ended chapter six? Now, we ended by talking about uh, Jesus as our forerunner, and we talked about how that word forerunner—it's it's another nautical term—with uh, the first one, of course, being anchor. And how the forerunner, if you remember, was it was a, a lighter vessel that would take the the anchor of a larger ship over the sandbar when, when the tide was low, would take that anchor over the sandbar and into the harbor so that it could be anchored into the harbor. And then when the tide, full tide came in, then the ship could safely pass into the harbor. But it was then, and at that moment, secured in that harbor. And if you remember, we talked about then how Jesus is our forerunner, that he has taken our anchor of hope behind the curtain into the most holy place, the very presence of, of God in heaven. And our anchor of hope is now firmly embedded in that safe harbor. Now, why do I bring that up again now, here? well, Because here's the thing. An anchor is only as strong as the cable or the chain connecting it to the ship. The anchor is only ultimately as strong as that that cable that is connecting it to the ship. And And so what about the cable for our anchor? What keeps our anchor connected to us? Well, friends, the cable keeping us connected and secure. The cable is made up of the very prayers of Jesus. Each prayer a different link in that chain, holding us securely, holding us safely. You see, that's what we want to see here, is that it is the prayers of Jesus that are the indestructible cable, keeping us securely attached until that day when we are fully and finally brought into the safe harbor of heaven with God forever. But again, why? Why does the writer of Hebrews tell us all this? Well, again, he gave us a heads up in chapter 6, verse 18. So that we who have fled to Jesus for refuge might have strong encouragement. That we might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. And so, brothers and sisters, no matter how hard life gets, and it gets pretty hard sometimes, sometimes unbearably hard, but no matter how hard life gets, continue to walk by faith as you hold fast to Jesus in doing so knowing that it is His very prayers right at this very moment that are upholding and sustaining you, and that will also always carry you the full way until you are brought home to that safe harbor forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, oh, we thank you for being our high priest, whoever lives above for us to intercede. We thank you that in you we do have a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls, that we are held fast by your continual prayers for us. And we especially thank you for sustaining us in those times when, we, when we're blinded by pain, by pain and suffering and, and the struggle, just even the struggle to believe. But we thank you that the fact remains that you hold us securely, both now and forever. And so please, help us even now to hold fast to the hope set before us in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.